book. We document 30, 30 years, actually, of my life learning and grappling with this thing, how to walk by faith, how to walk in the will of God, how to obey the Lord, how to be faithful, how to trust Him. And so a little, uh, uh, a little excerpt from this book, and, and it says here, it says, I never thought of myself as a smuggler. But the opportunity to take Bibles into China was too good to pass up. This opportunity to carry Bibles. <laughs> I get emotional about this stuff. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. Anyway, this opportunity to carry Bibles into a land where the Christian faith was under such persecution, it gripped my heart. At 17 years of age, I was on my way to China. <laughs> Come on. It was here as a teenager I first encountered the possibility of this thing we talk about, a kingdom within. It was dark and gloomy on the boat that led to Canton, China. The next day, we made it safely through customs Briskly, we made our way down a side street to offload our luggage, and then boom, there it was, face to face. I come in contact with the most beautiful people you've ever seen, <laughs> the most humble faces. Looking into the eyes of these precious Chinese people, I saw such joy and peace. These were our brothers and sisters from the underground church under such persecution, and yet they were happy. <laughs> Freedom shone from their eyes. I was stunned. I was speechless. I was overwhelmed. At 17 years of age, my life was absolutely being turned upside down. And it was during this encounter, the seeds of a kingdom within began to be sown into my heart. The full impact, however would not be felt until a few years later in India. Has anyone heard of India? When Pastor Nancy Dykes invited me to go to India, something leapt in my heart. The trip to China 18 months earlier had whet my appetite for missions. This felt like the next step for me. We arrived into India, and it was absolute chaos. <laughs> Has anyone been to India? Lift up your hand, all right. No one except for Natasha, but that's good. It was chaos. We arrived into India and it was chaos. Horns beeping, people yelling. Chennai Airport was like a scene from an Indiana Jones movie. No kidding. We jumped into our van and all of a sudden we were introduced to the controlled chaos of Indian driving and the roading system that's become world famous. Imagine, listen just for a minute, imagine a pride of lions all converging on the same piece of meat. Or a two-lane road and everyone is trying to make it first to the stoplight. It looked like a wildebeest migration on a rampage in Africa. <laughs> in the distance, a huge truck is coming towards me. I remember closing my eyes and felt the vibrations as this truck somehow avoided our van. And then, and then, as I look out the window, caught in the middle of it, jammed into the middle of it, is, is a family of five, 
all riding on the same bicycle, <laughs> just managing to squeeze through. It was unbelievable. And as they say, that is incredible India. We made it in one piece into the house that we would stay for the next few days. I proceeded to go to the rest room. As I opened the restroom door and turned on the light, the whole floor moved in front of me. To my dismay, a herd of thousands of herd, a large herd of the largest cockroaches I've ever seen began to move. Horrified, I slammed the door, ran out, and I ran to our host and I said, excuse me, sir, is there another toilet because this one has cockroaches in it? He said this to me in his very strong Indian accent, wiggling his head like this. He says, listen, he says, listen, sir, uh, when you go to the toilet, sir, you must first knock on the door. And then when you open the door, all the things are gone. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, how, why, Pastor Don, why didn't I think of that? I mean, come on, this is so awesome, right? <laughs> knock first, knock first, all right? It had been a long day, and I'm now ready. And so I walk into the bathroom cautiously, very cautious. And I knock on the door, and I open that door, and as the Indian man said, there was no cockroaches on the floor. I quickly walk in, sit down, and when I turn, well, I turn on the light, I sit down, and as I sit down, my relief turns into absolute discouragement as the cockroaches were on the back of the door. There were so many cockroaches on the back of the door, I couldn't even see the color of the door. I opened the door and I run out and I don't know what happened next, but my first impressions of India were not that fantastic, I'm here to say. <laughs> upon, arriving, upon arriving into India, one of the responsibilities I had in the team at, at, at age 18, 19, was to lead worship in the church services and the outreaches that Pastor Nancy did. As anticipated, each day we would go to the towns, we'd see souls saved, we'd see miracles, demons, like there's a lot of demons in India. It seems like there's more demons in India than anywhere else, but they're coming out and flying everywhere. I mean, lives would change forever. As incredible as this was, joy and peace was far from me. The culture and the way of life of India was so different to what I was used to that it was becoming a struggle for me to cope. Sadly, I was unable to celebrate all the wonderful things God was doing in that space. One of the days, we had time off in the morning, and so I decided to go for a walk in the village. And as I'm walking in this village, I see in the distance what, I, what looks like a kebab stand. 
and I'm hungry. And so I'm like, oh my, just a certain sense of connection. I'm, and I walk up to this kebab stand and as I'm getting closer and closer, suddenly my dream of delicious kebabs quickly vanishes into thin air. This mirage turns out to be a butcher selling meat to the community. A leg of lamb or goat is hanging on the stand and to my dismay, the meat is covered in so many blowflies you couldn't even see the meat. And they're cutting the meat off and handing it to people and they're running off with smiles on their faces. The butcher would cut off slices and it just made, it made me feel so sick. Turning away to avoid making a scene, I'm saying, Heavenly Father, what is the deal? Why have you brought me here? First, the crazy drivers, the cockroaches, the way of life here. I mean, I, was, I began to be judgmental. I was frustrated. I was confused. My de- demeanor was not a, a light in the darkness. This, emotion, this emotional condition was not a help to anybody. Finally, I said, Father, please help me. You brought me here to help bring your message of hope How is this possible? Listen, how is it possible when I'm frustrated, I'm unhappy, I'm feeling confusion, and really all I want to do is go back to the Shire and be with Daddy in New Zealand and Mama? The Holy Spirit stopped me. (laughs) And he says, he said, son, the reason why you're sad and frustrated and judgmental is because you're not living sustained by my kingdom. I thought, what do you mean? He said, he says to me this, he says to me this, as a young man, I heard him clearly, he says to me, I have created a kingdom on this earth to ensure my body can thrive in the middle of a fallen planet, to be salt and light. Look around you, he says. No matter where you go in the world, there is pain and suffering and injustice. He said to me, sons, since the fall of man in the garden, it has been like this. Mankind has constantly struggled with that Adamic nature they were born with. Lucifer, the God of this world, controls men like a puppeteer. My son Jesus came to deliver men from this control and give them the opportunity to be free from this fallen kingdom. Walking back to the house after my kebab stand, I couldn't stop thinking about what the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. Live in the kingdom, live in the kingdom, live in the kingdom. It made sense, but I needed more understanding. Back back, back in my bedroom, I began to open my Bible, and I began this life-changing journey into understanding the kingdom. So I I began to look up every time the, the word kingdom is spoken. And the first passage that gripped my heart was, was... it was where the Pharisees and what the, Jesus answered them when they asked him when the kingdom would come. His response to them was the beginning of a new revelation and an understanding of the kingdom that has impacted my life and is still impacting me today. We read it and it says in Luke 17, 20 to 21, and when... He was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come. He answered them and said, The kingdom of God 
cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within me. The kingdom of God is within me? Are you kidding me? This explosion happens in me. These words that Jesus spoke, he spoke them at the time where the reach of the Roman Empire covered the known world. Jesus knew what the Pharisees were asking them was influenced by the understanding of what they'd grown up around. Their view of a kingdom was based upon the dominating reach and grandeur of the Roman Empire. For centuries, it had been foretold of a new king and kingdom for the Jewish people. But Jesus had a different vision. And it's important that you and I get Jesus' vision, not my vision, not another man's vision, but Jesus' vision has got to become a part of our lives because it is so easy to get off on a tangent, to go down a rabbit hole and be in a destination that we were never made to be in. And like an artist, artist, using words that paint such a profound picture. Jesus says, he says, in essence, he says to them, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. It's not made of bricks and mortar. It's not over there or over here. Listen, it's the kingdom of God has far deeper and greater reach than the limitations of time and space and matter. Why? Because the kingdom of God is within you. Family, stop and think about that. How many times you read over this? Stop and think about it. It, To me, as a young teenager, that meant a lot because I just wanted to pack my bags and get out of India. Many years later, Natasha and I were had the privilege of going to Greece. And we discovered that this passage of scripture in Luke actually has two meanings. The first meaning was the kingdom of God is around you. And the second meaning is the kingdom of God is within you. Now, we are grateful for our guide and pastor friend for introducing us to to this understanding. While enjoying a rest day sightseeing in the ancient city of Philippi, where the Apostle Paul planted the first European church, Natasha, Natasha asked our dear friend, Pastor Dimitri, she said this, Pastor Dimitri, is the kingdom around us or is it within? He said both. Listen carefully. Pastor Dimitri explained. He says this. He says, at the time that Jesus was walking this earth, the kingdom was around him, flowing through him, touching everybody he met. But when he answered the Pharisees, the kingdom of God is within. Listen, Jesus was foretelling of the time when he would physically leave this earth. Listen carefully. Then the kingdom would live inside all who would receive him as Lord and Savior. The culmination of the statement is fulfilled on the day of Pentecost in the upper room when the disciples were filled with the breath and the Spirit of God. After centuries, listen, after centuries of being separated from His original dwelling place, the breath of God is restored back into the man that He created. The significant, this, this is a significant piece in the kingdom puzzle. 
Because as I would discover, listen, the Holy Spirit is the driving force of the kingdom. Incredibly, we are its carriers. <laughs> Continuing my research in India, the next scripture I came across was in Romans fourteen sixteen. Turn there, if you would, to Romans fourteen sixteen. You've you've heard these scriptures, but for a young teenager in India, this was really something. We're talking about a kingdom within. Everyone say a kingdom within. Romans 14, 16 to 17, it says, for, there, for the kingdom of God, again, Jesus speaking, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Say the kingdom of God has its own atmosphere. Of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness brings peace. Peace brings joy. And it's all found in relationship with our precious Holy Spirit. Hearing this was huge while I was in India. Because in my struggle, I needed some solace. I was not a happy little tiger. And I discovered the kingdom within me had its own atmosphere. This, this atmosphere will enable me to have joy and peace even in the most diabolical, un, uh, un, so abnormal spaces and places on this earth. This is take, this, I have taken this with me to over 40 nations. We've been in wars. We've been bombed. We've been in Pakistan and Islamic countries. We've been in nations where it is so foreign to me. And yet we have been able to find joy and peace because we are carriers of a kingdom. That kingdom is not there or over there or over here. It is within us. This building can be taken away. But this building will never be taken away. And even if we lose our lives, we get taken to heaven to be with our Father. So no matter what happens, no matter what happens, the kingdom within us is the source and the supply that God has created for you and me as the body of Christ to thrive, people. To thrive in the midst of chaos, in the midst of madness. And that, my brothers and sisters, is salt and light in the world Amen. and gives, gives our planet an opportunity to be free. Say, the kingdom is within me. Say, the kingdom is within me. This was a game changer for me. And I remember when I read this passage and I chose to believe it, joy and peace begins to fill me. As I surrendered my Life to the Holy Spirit and asked Him for help. Uh, listen, a fountain of love for the people of India I was struggling to connect with was unlocked in me. Suddenly, all the things that were frustrating before didn't mean anything anymore. The light and the love of God began to shine through me, bringing the opportunity for salvation and healing to many people in India. Matthew 6.33, Jesus 
says this. Matthew 6, 19 to 33. It's a long scripture, but so much truth in it. So much incredible truth. Matthew 6, 19 to 33. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If your eye is good, your whole body will be filled with, with light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be filled of darkness. No one can serve two masters. He will, either he will hate the one or love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, do not worry, say don't worry, about a thing, because everything is going to be all right. Therefore I say unto you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Isn't that beautiful? Therefore don't worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Listen carefully. For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows you need these things. Nothing wrong with having things. Our Father knows we need things, but we're it's, but it, it says in verse 33, but, say but, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Understand the kingdom. Understand family. Understand the kingdom. Know the kingdom, where the kingdom is, what the principles of the kingdom. Your pastors speak about the kingdom all the time. They live it. I know them. They live it. They breathe it. This is why they're alive today, still powerful vessels. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Is that beautiful? For over 30 years, we've had, we have d discovered that within the kingdom of God are all things that pertain to life and godliness. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom, and all will be added. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. Jesus said the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. Access to this kingdom. And there's a, there's a whole book on it. I don't have time to go into the details. Our time is up. But access to this kingdom comes through Jesus. Access to this kingdom comes through repentance. Access comes from inviting the king and his kingdom into our hearts. We are carriers of a kingdom. When you invited Jesus into your heart, when you and I repented of our sin and invited Jesus, we also made way for another kingdom to begin to live and breathe within our hearts. It's time, it's the body of Christ. If you haven't done it yet, it is time to renew our minds with the Word of God, to renew our hearts with the power 
power of His presence and be, be, begin to live our lives living by the principles of His kingdom so that we can be vessels that He can move through and flow through. So many believers in the world today are bored. My gosh, how many Christians are bored? How much sin is in the church today? Because most Christians are bored. They don't do anything but come and sit in the pew and sit and listen, but they don't go out and do anything. Listen to me. And the, the key to being productive in the kingdom, this is a whole nother message, but the key to being productive in the kingdom of God is intimacy. If we don't have intimacy, no babies are going to get born. And the problem with a lot of us is we have all this knowledge, but we don't have intimacy with the Father. Intimacy produces fruit. It produces a pastor who's given his life and his wife in this place called Diamond Springs somewhere up in the boondocks. where over the years, hundreds, if not thousands, have heard the message of Jesus. And I, why I love coming here is this is one of the few people I know that actually preaches the pure word of Jesus. That's why I love coming here. When I come here, I, I need feeding too. We're always giving out. Give, I need to come and sit at the back and just listen. He's the one of the few that I know that I, in this space that I can sit and get fed the word that's pure. But what was birth was birth out of intimacy. Intimacy is the, is, the, is the productive space for whatever God calls us to do. And that's a whole nother message. But the, the, to go to the nations, God, I, I, I took a year off after going to Bible school in my early, early 20s. And I took a year off specifically after Bible school to begin to seek what was that next step for me. I'd been to India when I was 17, to China, sorry, China when I was 17, India to when I was 19, almost 20. In my early, early 20s, I go to Bible school. Then that next step, what's that next step? I begin to pray. I begin to pray. I was seeking the Lord for one year. What was that next step for me? All right. During that time of intimacy, God spoke to my heart. He says, I want you to stick a band together, record an album, begin traveling all over the globe, bringing the message of Jesus through music. Didn't have a band, didn't have anywhere to go, didn't have any money, didn't know how to record an album, and, I didn't know, and no one actually cared. I go to my pastor, Dad. I said, Dad, this is what the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. Son, go for it. Okay. Can you help me a little bit? No, just go for it. So I began to go for it. To cut a long story short, within six months, I'd recorded an album. God put songs into my heart out of intimacy. God record, I recorded an album, paid $30,000 for an album. The money came in. God gave me a band. And the first door that opens up is this nation called South Africa. And as I'm driving, flying, no, I'm not driving. As I'm flying over the Indian Ocean, to South Africa, I look down, I've got eight people in my team, eight people, and I look down, I'm scheduled to be there, it dawns on me, I'm scheduled to be in Africa for three months, and I've only got two concerts booked. What am I going to do for three months? But I knew that my father had a plan, it's in the book, right? 
I knew my father had a plan. And so by the time of our second event, the whole of South Africa opened up for three months. We were booked up constantly. Why? Because the presence of God was so thick and so strong. People's lives were being touched. At the same time I was in Africa, somebody sent my album to the Christian radio in my country, right? And unbeknown to me, songs began to be number one and two hits on the national radio. So what happens? That opens the door when I get back the next year to do a tour of the country. Then the uh, world, the Global uh, uh, Christian Broadcasting Association had, a, had a, a global conference in Auckland, New Zealand. And guess who was to be the, the, the headline artist? Me. So I get there and I begin to sing in fr- fr- front of all these people from r- around the world. Well, the rest is history. The rest is history. God made a way for me. He made a way for me. And for all these years, for all these years, we've learned to live in the kingdom of God for our lives. In the beginning, I was alone with a band. I didn't have a wife. And so when a wife comes along, I'm thinking, how in the world does this work? Traveling constantly, we're eight months a year, 20 countries every year, right? How does it work with a wife? To cut a long story short, she's been with me for 20 years, nonstop, traveling all over the world, never complained, never moaned. She absolutely loves it because when God calls us, he gives you the people that you need to do what you need to do. (laughs) But when kids then come along, what is going to happen? So I'm going to ask Natasha to come and just share just a little bit about her experience as a wife and then as a mother, what, 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 what happened when kids started to, to come along and she begins to discover in her experience as people would come up to her and say, oh, you poor thing, how, oh my gosh, you poor, oh, and they would look at me with, you, how could you, you poor thing, how could you do that? So they would look at me and say, oh, what God taught her out of that whole experience about the grace of God. And then we have a final story that we want to share about how we got little Joshy's first pair of shoes from Monte Carlo in Monaco. Monte Carlo in Monaco. Come on, honey. Give her a hand, everybody. This This is the love of my life. I mean, he let the cat out of the bag already, so we're... <laughs> um, one of the things that, you know, the Lord had kind of shown us is um, when Michael was sharing that, uh, you know, when we started having kids and people kind of like, oh, he must be so hard and this and that. Um, the Lord gave me a scripture. It's in Ephesians 4, 7. Actually, I think one of the messages you were speaking like about a month ago, you mentioned it. It says, amount of grace is given for Christ's gift. Whatever he calls you for, he graces you for that. And that's kind of how it's been for us. The funny thing is, is that he graced me with a desire and a love of travel ever since I was a kid. Um, so the first day we met, we, it was, um, I was part of the worship team in our church in Sacramento. And uh, the bass guitarist was his friend. So um, I was, it's a Russian-speaking church, so I, sh- you know, show up to church, and they were leading worship, so I was about to just sit down on my second row and just, you know, and then 
his friend comes to me and he's like a older brother type of a guy. He goes, Natasha, sit down and translate. You're translating today. I'm like, okay. So <laughs> I sit down and I translate it for Michael. Well, the rest is history. But one of the funny thing is, is that it was Mother's Day and uh, afterwards his friend goes, oh, why don't you come out with us? You know, like go for, for a meal. And I said, oh, I, I can't, it's Mother's Day. Yeah, his, <laughs> but um, so I can't, it's Mother's Day. So, in the, but I said, oh, I might be able to come in the evening, you know. So I come in the evening and we're all sitting and it's, I'm thinking it's the whole band and everything. And it's just his friend, the friend's wife, me and Michael. <laughs> and uh, a, um, two of his albums are in the car and Michael left the car and his cologne stayed in the car with those albums. <laughs> it still smells like it 20 years later. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, here we are, we're sitting in a restaurant and, uh, and um, all of a sudden Michael turns to me and goes, do you like traveling? Well, the funny thing is, ever since I was, I shared the story with everyone, ever since I was like 13, you know, I, because of my height and everything, and I thought, oh, I could be a model, you know, and they'll like, you know, I, all I have to do is just take pictures and I can travel the world. And my dad does not have a high view of models, so he said no. <laughs> and that's a politely. Um, so then, then I was 16 and I was like, I can be a flight attendant, you know, I can travel the world for free, you know. And, uh, and then my dad has the same view of flight attendants. Um, <laughs> so, so I was like, so Michael and I meet, right? And honestly, the funny thing is, in that moment, you know, I'm, I'm like the person that likes to, you know, figure things out and this and that. And so any girl can see if a guy is interested, right? I've missed all of the signs that day. So up till the point he actually told me he liked me, I was like, oh, well, that's shocking. <laughs> So it had to be the Lord, but there's a story behind it I'm not going to get into. Um, but here's the thing. The first day he asked me if I enjoyed traveling, I said, actually, I do. I love it. You know, so insane bringing that scripture, that grace was already in my life, and I still enjoy it. And the funny thing is I've been to India several times, and I love it, you know. Um, and I did not, well, I did not have a cockroach experience. I had more of a frog experiences in the bathroom. <laughs> But um, <laughs> it's kind of like, you stay there, and I'll stay here, and we'll be okay. <laughs> so, but speaking of grace, whenever we had children, it was really, especially with Joshi, it was like, okay, what do, what do you want us to do now, Lord? You know? And um, so Josh, first time, he, we were in, uh, um, first time we took him to Europe, he was five months old. You know, and uh, it, which was a miracle. It, it took us nine. We came from California, so it was a nine-hour time zone difference. It took Josh four days to switch time zones completely. We were there for a month, and it took him a day to switch back. And it's like the Lord told us, that's all right. I got you. Go ahead. You know, so when Zach arrived, we were like, ah, come along. But the most interesting thing happened to us, and that is something that the Lord reminds me all the time, is when Josh turned one, we were, he was beginning to walk, and, you know, and I was preparing. And uh, as I was preparing for it, I was looking for a first pair of shoes for Josh. And um, at that time, we happened to be in south, uh, south of uh, France, you know. So south of France is not a cheapest place, you know. So and my budget was like 25 euros, it was like $40. So I wanted a good pair of shoes for Josh. 
And um, as we're looking around, looking around, and I'm like, we keep on moving on, and then move on, move, we move on to this small princedom called Monaco. Now, Monaco is known for Princess Grace, is known for Grand Prix racing, but it's not known to be a good place to buy a first pair of shoes for your child, you know? Because so, I'm like, you know, this is the place that has a secondhand stores and they sell Chanel, you know, in secondhand stores. You know, so you're like, I wasn't even, I'm like, okay, I'll move on. I'll start looking after we're done. So all of a sudden, this lady comes and she's our host. And uh, her daughter just had a child about like a, less than a year before. And she says, you know, and I'm like, I haven't said anything to her. She says, you know what? The Lord put it on my heart to buy your son a first pair of shoes. So here we are. I'm like, no, I'm like, you don't have to. And she says, no, no, no. The Lord put it on my on my heart. And so she takes us. She goes, I have a, there's a shoe store that I go to. And um, I get my, my granddaughter shoes there. So she takes us to the shoe store. It's a boutique. Okay. I'm like, the word boutique already says expensive. Bottom line is Josh's first pair of shoes look like Prince George's shoes. And uh, there were 85 euro, which at that time was $120. So let me show you little kid shoes. <laughs> we still have them. And they've actually, it is something that. But the reason, and, and Zach, Zachy wore them too. <laughs> But the reason why it was so important for us is, is, that, is that in our own, like, in our own, whatever we could afford, in our own strength, we could only afford $40, right? But this is what God gave, you know? So, see? So that, that's basically part of the, our journey that we have experienced, you know, that whenever we trust the Lord and we live in, within his kingdom, you know, he does above and beyond than what we could do in our own strength. Yeah, and he adds no sorrow with it. We didn't have to pay, you know, for these shoes. And, yeah. Great job. So the kingdom of God is within us. All of us have a role to play in the kingdom. If you're bored, if we are bored with God, it's possible we, we haven't got alone with Him. It's possible, and this is great, the gathering of ourselves together is so important. But there's the space where nobody sees you, where nobody even cares about you. Is this, there's this, that's why Jesus himself had to go away and pray to be with his Father. Some of us here today need to go away and pray and be with our Father. Because it's in that intimacy and that relationship that there's a birthing of the purpose of God for our lives. And it doesn't have to necessarily be, I'm going to pastor a church. It doesn't necessarily have to be, I'm going to be a missionary. It doesn't have to be necessarily anything of that space. But what we're all called to do is to be vessels that God can use to be a witness for Jesus. And there's so much, there are so many areas to fill. There's so much to fill. There's so many locations on this planet that you and I need to get to. We're going to Albania, for goodness sake. Has anyone seen the movie Wag the Dog? 
If you see the movie, Wag the Dog, it's all about Albania. Go to Albania. What's in Albania? I don't know what's up. Muslims are in Albania that need to know about Jesus. Jesus left the 99 to go to the one. And our experience has been, yes, we've seen, we've had thousands in a crowd. But sometimes we've had the tens, the twenties. Sometimes we've traveled for miles only to be in a space where there's 10 or 20 people to get to the one that needed to know Jesus. It's not about the numbers. It's not about the fanfare. It's not about the, it's not about anything of any form of flesh whatsoever. It's about being obedient to our father. There's a kingdom family and the kingdom of God is within us. Let's all stand together. Father, we are so grateful for your word of life to us. We're so thankful for your kingdom that lives within us. That you didn't leave us orphans. You didn't leave us without the tools and the keys that we would need. You didn't, you didn't say to us, be salt and light and not give us the salt and light ability. You have made a way for us. You have given everything we need, and it is in you and your kingdom that's within all of us. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear. And grace, my fears relieved. How precious tis that grace appeared. The hour I first believed, Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. As every eye is shut and every head is bowed today, the kingdom that we are talking about is for every human being that God has created. But to access that kingdom and to make way for us to be a part of that and to have what it wants to give us, the Bible says Jesus is the only way.
There is no other way. Jesus is the door that leads to life. And before we move on, is maybe you're here today and you have heard these stories and something in your heart begins to jump with hope. And But you know in your heart you've never opened your heart to this man called Jesus. But today you want to. You want to invite him into your heart. You want to ask for forgiveness, for repentance, for sin, which separates us from God. You want to invite Jesus into your heart so that you can live in that kingdom that we're speaking about today. Maybe you're here today and you have been walking with God and you've walked with Jesus, but you know in your heart you're not walking with Him like you should. And today you want to come back again and say, Father, help me to live in that kingdom. The kingdom. I want to recommit my life to Jesus and I want to recommit my life and my family and my future to walking in the kingdom that you're speaking about. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. We're going to pray together. We're going to pray together. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to put right what needs to be put in order in our lives so that from this day on, we can live in the, the freedom of the kingdom. If that's you today, can I ask you just to raise your hand straight up in the air? Any, anyone at all? Lift your hand straight up, straight up. Awesome. Hands, lift, lift them up. Say, I want to walk in that kingdom. I want to live in that kingdom. If that's you, just lift your hands. That is so awesome. Everyone, speak after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for your kingdom. I understand that sin separates me from relationship with you and your kingdom. And today, I ask you to forgive me. I repent of my sin. I repent of every deed that's not pleasing to you. And Jesus, I invite you to come and live in my heart. From this day on, help me to follow you and to live my life thriving in the midst of chaos, in the midst of perilous times. Before your return, help me to be sustained by you and your kingdom. Help me to be salt and light in this world. Come and live in my heart. From this day forward, help me to follow you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. I surrender all, I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all, I surrender all. I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior. 
I surrender all. The word of the Lord to some of us here today, there's, there's people in this space, so your families, you're worried about your children, you're worried about your families. Your father wants you to know not to be afraid, not to fear, because he's got your back and he's got the hearts and the lives of your children. Listen, just seek first the kingdom. Seek first the king and his kingdom, and everything else will be added, and everything will fall into place. Don't be afraid. Just keep focused on him and watch and see what the Lord will do. Amen.